Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Summer Steam Sale. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Uh, obviously, the Steam Sale is... I, like, I want to say that like it's a pretty big deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it feels kind of like... In a, in a certain sense, there was you know, like there were all of those like weird, like quote unquote gamer holidays. What's the one from fucking Control Alt Delete? Do you remember that one? Winter, wintering Miss. I, yeah, win, yeah, Winter. I, I have I have a sweatshirt, a Wintering Miss sweatshirt from high school. Um, I unironically celebrated Wintering Miss in high school without even understanding the context. I just had like friends of mine were like, "This is a this is like a holiday for." For gamers, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Steam sale kind of is like, really is that everybody... I remember like for like the past couple weeks being like, don't buy anything yet. Steam sale's just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Who knows when it's... And it's, they don't never announce like the days. But like, who knows when it's going to come? It's like, it's like... Uh, and then everybody like spends all their money and you get a bunch of wallet memes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, have, you, have you indulged in the Steam sale so far? So I actually haven't indulged... Yet, though I certainly plan to. Um, what typically happens with me in the Steam sales, I kind of just sit around until the last day or two, and then I'm like, okay, let's spend like a hundred bucks, you know, like picking up a bunch of stuff. I go through like the queues yeah, that they yeah. give you. Um, I go through that a whole bunch. Um, that that was a genius move, by the way, because like um, back in the day, what it used to be is when they were still doing flat. So history. Way back in the day, the Steam sale was was it was for the whole thing, and there there'd be good sales the whole time. But each day there'd be daily sales, and then also flash sales like every eight hours. Um, the primary way that you got your free quote unquote or your free trading cards, um, the Steam trading cards, was uh, by voting on what would be next in the flash sale. Maybe mm-hmm. a year or two ago at this point, Gaben decided flash sales and daily sales are bad for consumers, so all the Steam sales. The sales are going to be the same price all week, which, while I kind of miss the anticipation of every day getting a fresh new sale, is probably ultimately good for the consumer. Um, but because of that, you can't get the free cards through voting on, on flash sales anymore because there aren't any more flash sales. Mm-hmm. So instead, they do these queues to do it, and that is the most genius marketing sh- strategy I think I've, I've ever seen out of, out of anyone. It's like, I would like to play this game. I'll add that to my wish list. We're like, oh, it's on sale for $3. Let's just throw it in the court and buy it and then never play it. Um, so, you know, I, I I think that was a genius move on their part, marketing-wise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you do, do you have, like, any, any, any moral stance on the Steam sale? Um, I have a certain sense that the Steam sale... I have heard uh, kind of tangentially from developers I know that the Steam sale is not good for them. Uh, which is kind of like the Steam sales. It, it's kind of the same like thought that that movie studios say about Movie Pass, where they kind of say the Steam sale encourages uh, customers not to buy things for their kind of full intended price. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that like and and I and I think that there is actually something to this, um, specifically in the context of single player games, uh, where it's like if I want to play the newest Assassin's Creed game, because that is a primarily single player experience, right? It's not it's not really like a multiplayer sort of thing. When I um, am looking to purchase it, there's a lot less kind of like instant demand 
that will put my butt in the in that that'll put like my, my dollars in the um uh kind of in the machine for something like you know Vermintide is a really good example right because any of these multiplayer games right as soon as one person buys one it kind of opens up the floodgates a little bit right and the more people and the more people get it the more you get this critical mass and so now i have stuff like sea of thieves um and stuff like Vermintide, which I don't play all that much, but I paid full price for. And I don't mind paying full price for it or whatever, but I did it because of the multiplayer, because it was an important moment sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to a single player game, right, unless I want to be a part of kind of like the overall conversation about that game, um, like I was, I was, um, you know, I kind of like got lost down a Detroit become human rabbit hole, um, and in the same way that I might, like, go see a movie on opening weekend because I want to keep up with the conversation uh, because everyone is kind of sort of, uh, you know, expected to see it the weekend it comes out, you know, with something like Infinity War or whatever. Um, I don't know. It feels to me uh, like like single-player games don't have that same luxury and that people are a lot feel a lot freer to kind of say, you know, Prey looks cool uh, and I like these kind of, like, 0451 games, but I'm going to wait for a Steam sale for it. Do you know what I mean? I, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm not convinced that that's, like, a, a, a behavior purely brought on by, by Steam, right? Like, the entertainment products devaluing over time is a thing that is, is older than Steam, certainly, right? Like, PlayStation greatest hits have, you know... Where have existed for a long time, so I'm not totally convinced that. Like, I understand the argument that the regularity and the known quantity of the Steam sale makes it a little bit more enticing, but I, I don't quite totally buy that. Um, that it's that it's a net negative for uh, for single player games, especially considering that I I think that there are like like Prey, just to use the, the example that you brought up, right? I think it looks neat. I would have never paid sixty dollars for that game. Um, I don't know if it's on sale now or not, but if it was cheap enough, I'd consider buying it. And that's like a sale that never would have happened if it was at full price. Um, or, you know, worse for the for the, for the the developer, one that maybe I buy used somewhere, right? And, you know, it is on sale. It's 50% off um, at $15. Maybe I'd buy that. I don't know. Um, uh, but, like, if I do end up buying that, right, like, that's like a sale that never would have happened. And, and I, I have to believe that they... They make it up on volume, especially, like, maybe there's, I think there's, like, on the first Steam sale, you're only 20% off anyway, generally, um, because there's a couple of these a year. Um, but, like, like the long tail games, right? Like, uh, like freaking Bastion right now is 75% off. Right. Um, and while that game's great, and uh, when we were going to do some recommendations, I was going to recommend Bastion because Bastion's my favorite game of all time. Um, like... I have to believe that, like, this popping up in someone's queue uh, for $3.75 gives them more long-tail sales in the long run than uh, than they would without the Steam sale. But, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see if anybody can produce any hard data on that. I suspect that'd be a very hard thing to gather and or a thing that no one's really particularly interested in gathering. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to say that it is only downside. Um, and I wouldn't want to say that it is uh, the sole thing kind of causing this, like, fall, you know, away from single-player content like that. But I do think that it kind of... Um, I feel like it does kind of hit 
that 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 hits true for me, right? That that sounds pretty true to me, and I'm I'm willing to kind of like buy into uh, buy into that mindset. And I think it's also kind of, and I mean, there, there's another upset to this, or I'm sorry, another upside to this, um, which is specifically that I think it, it is part of the reason that we have kind of opened ourselves up a lot more to cheaper single player content like. Bastion, I mean, like, when you look at the kind of single-player indie games that are coming out now, man, like, you know, Bastion feels like it was really kind of ahead of the curve, and it was one of these, like, er games. Um, right. That that are, you know, cheaper experiences, but also not trying to, like, break open, uh, you know, the... the like the the hundreds and hundreds of hours of content right it's not about making the next you know skyrim so much anymore as it is about you know making a 25 dollar game that plays for 10 hours in a in a good yeah yeah a 15 to 25 dollar game that's like a 10 hour tight experience you know weekend one weekend game type deal yeah yeah exactly um strong themes strong story you know you're you're uh what, what was that? What was that one that we did? Um, by the people who did uh, Limbo, um, inside, inside, yeah, inside, I was say inside out, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, fair enough. Um, uh, I I was kind of envisioning this as as kind of like a uh a recommendations for us on some lesser, no, not necessarily like like super deep digs, but like maybe maybe not like you know. Uh, the super popular ones, right? Like you, we probably like Witcher Three is a great game. I'm happy to recommend it, but that's I don't I don't think we do anyone a service by recommending. Witcher yeah, I feel 3. like everybody kind of knows. Yeah. Witcher Witcher Three. Um, and I think that's gonna be hard to to hit some of those like like parse where exactly that line is because like I'm like like you know as, as we were previously talking about before this, I'm sure you're going to recommend some form of Total War, and that's like a a big game, but not like. What would I call it? Like maybe like a double A game. Uh, yeah, I mean, and there are some games that I want to make a like a like a specific pitch. I mean, I obviously talk about Total War all the time on the podcast, but those are kind of very introverted, personal things. Where I whereas I kind of want to do take some time to make a kind of um, uh, uh, like make an external pitch. Right. This isn't why I'm playing a lot of Total War, but why you might want to pick up Total War. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. All right. Uh, well, um, unless you had anything else you want to talk about the Steam sale in general, uh, you want to launch into that? We could just alternate titles. Yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's take a let's take a take a look. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Check a look. Uh, uh, and with that, I'll start us off um, using that Devolver reference to recommend a Devolver game. I'm going to recommend uh, Enter the Gungeon. Uh, listeners might have. Wait, hold on. Enter the Gungeon is a Devolver game. Uh, Devolver is a publisher. Oh. Wait, I thought they were developer. I think they have a an in-house. Because they, weren't they the ones that developed? Uh, I thought that they were the ones that did Hotline Miami. Maybe they just published it. No, they just published it. They are they are primarily a, pu- a publisher. Are they might I don't think that. I actually don't even think they have an in-house team. But they like there are games that kind of like quote unquote feel like developer games because they publish titles that all that kind of have like the same kind of, um, for lack of a better term, mouthfeel to them, right? Like they they all like they all have like same kind of. Uh, not maybe aesthetic, but kind of sensibility, right? There's like a usually a level of goofiness and a level of mm-hmm. irreverence. Um, and Enter the Gungeon was in fact published by Devolver, uh, developed by Dodge Roll Studios. Um, uh, like I said, listeners may remember that I was playing a whole bunch of this maybe a year or so ago. 
Um, and it's still great, and I still go back to it every once in a while. It's just kind of slipped out of my default game to play while listening to a podcast, which is the the position that many games vie for. Um, but uh, it's fifty percent off right now. It's seven fifty on a uh, on on Steam, um, and I can't recommend it enough. It's a uh, roguelike, um, not in the most classic sense. Um, it is an action combat system. There's a lot of it's like a bullet hell combined with roguelike is probably the best way to put it. A lot of wacky weapons. A great kind of sense of, of humor, um, a lot of kind of just like goofy, goofy stuff, uh, really goofy guns. Famously, one of the pieces of DLC uh, was um, uh, the the uh, microtransaction gun, uh, which you could you could you could either unlock in game or you could buy as a piece of DLC as an unlock, and uh, it shot your your money out of it, and it was very tongue in cheek and it was very hilarious. And uh, that kind of sensibility goes through the entire game. All the enemies are, or most of the enemies are bullets of some sort. Uh, it's a very gun kind of like themed game. It's 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 uh, a lot of fun, high skill level. Um, like most roguelikes, you will play it a thousand times before you reach the bottom. And when you do, you'll go back and play again and play a thousand more times before you beat it the second time. Um, screwing with different builds and whatnot. Um, uh, I don't know what else to say say about other than it's uh it's a ton of fun a lot of challenge and definitely worth your seven dollars and fifty cents if you're looking for a a game to pick up uh well yeah have have you put the uh, enter the gungeon at all i have not actually um i know it's funny because you've recommended on the podcast a bunch of times but definitely that like thing that i play while i am playing something else game is uh tough to to uh that that is a tough spot to be in if a game wants to get my attention mm-hmm. yeah no I, I definitely feel like i said mine, mine rotates a bunch uh, my current one's coming up but uh yeah uh well what's 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 your first recommendation okay yeah so the first one i want to go for is uh is surviving mars which i'm not sure i ever talked about on the podcast itself um but surviving mars is a game uh it's re- released by paradox um though it was it wasn't developed by paradox paradox i'm pretty sure it's developed by the same guys that made um the uh the very good city builder um city skylines um oh it's Hamamont. they also did uh tropico yeah yeah oh you're right it's the tropico people um, yeah, so Surviving Mars is really, really good. And, and the thing that makes it cool and interesting is that it is a kind of a city builder. Um, but the premise of the city builder is that you are kind of building the first society on Mars. Um, and it's, it's not quite like the Martian levels of technology. It's like a little bit higher than that or whatever. But it does kind of feel a, like more kind of like grounded and not like a super sort of futuristic... Um, city builder. There's a couple of those out there, like Anno, tw- like twenty seven seventy or something like that, or like twenty seventy seven. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so surviving Mars, you kind of start out with like a bunch of drones, and then you are actually preparing Mars itself to be uh, to like receive the first couple of shipments of uh, like humans and like cargo and stuff like that. Um, but it is it's a it's a new experience. It just came out this year. Um, it's 30% off, uh, for the Steam sale, and, um, and I think it's probably one of the best examples of a game that doesn't have kind of, like, a combat focus or, like, an action focus, um, but it's still really, like, gripping and engaging, right? It's not about war or combat or anything else. The bad guy is just, 
you know, the man versus nature of what is it like to live on a planet with no, you know, like with no oxygen, um, and how hard uh, is that is that going to be for for like you and your little fledgling colony? All, all right, interesting. Now I see that there are like three editions of this. Um, are any of them particularly necessary for the uh, the full experience? I do not remember. Um, Paradox is pretty good, I find, uh, when it comes to like editions or whatever. Um, the, uh, the edition, like, the, they, they typically have, like, a deluxe edition sort of thing, um, but otherwise, you know, I don't think that it's a big, uh, I don't think that it's a, that's a, it's a, a big deal whether or not you get, like, the basic version or the more advanced version. Yeah, it, it looks like the most expensive version has the season pass with it, and it's also slightly, it's 40% off rather than being 30%. Um, difference between the basic version is $28. Uh, the deluxe edition is $35. It comes with like art book and some like skins. And the first color edition comes with all that and the season pass at 45. Um, so, uh, take note of that. And the only other thing I'd, I'd ask is, is, um, this is something I came across when I was looking up my own kind of picks for this, but, uh, it's got mixed ratings on, uh, on steam. Uh, do you have, do you know any of the popular criticisms and do you want to say I actually, I actually don't have a good sense for what the popular criticisms for it are. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. I've read a couple of like the negative reviews. Um, there, there's some talk about weird AI, like the UI is not super great. Um, and there's also some like idea that like the game isn't super like challenging. Um, but I also, but like I'm, I am... I guess I'm skeptical of those kinds of um, of those kinds of reviews, just because it seems like they don't. Uh, it, it, it's it's like the game isn't really built for those kinds of folks, and that's fine. Right. You know that, what I mean? That that feels very much like a paradox problem, right? Like I, I like you know the yeah, games we yeah, play tend definitely. to get good reviews, but I think they escape kind of like normal normies playing them, right? Like Crusader Kings Two, I don't think has a lot of like. Cod bros jumping in and being like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, yeah, but I think that like something like Surviving Mars seems to be like is, is a thing that I could, I could see falling into that trap. Um, but uh, but yeah, did, did, any anything else on uh on uh? Nope, that's Surviving Mars. That's Surviving Mars. All right. Well, since you since you highlighted uh Hamamon, I'm gonna go with one of my Hamamon recommendations, which is uh Victor Vran, um, which is um, I actually, go, leading up to the sale, was like looking at some stuff. It's like, oh, there's this, there's there are two ARPGs that I was looking at, um, or three actually. There's Grim Dawn, Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing, and Victor Fran. And for the, I played, I've played some Grim Dawn, and that's great. And you guys should play that too. That's also on sale. Just very quick recommendation. At seventy percent off, seven forty nine, kind of halfway between Path of Exile and Diablo three in terms of like aesthetic and polish. Um, but check that out. But, uh, there was another game that I played like maybe a couple of years ago for, uh, uh, a handful of hours. It was really kind of solid and well-built. And I'm like, oh, this is the incredible adventures of Van Helsing. Um, and I'm like thinking, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get like the updated version of that on the steam sale. And so, you know, I like go through that a little bit, talk, talk to some of my, uh, my, my, uh, other friends about like how much, I th how much I thought that was a pretty good game for being like a, a very basic RPG. And then I look at my steam, it's like, you've not, I've never actually played the incredible adventures of Van Helsing. And it looks like, oh, there's this game, Victor Fran, which is literally Van Helsing with the serial numbers filed off, right? Like same fucking hat and everything. Um, 
Um, but it's got that same kind of very deep uh, ARPG stuff that you get out of like the the super hardcore games. Um, I have read that it's maybe not the deepest game. It's coming to Switch this summer, but it's a lot of fun, and I can't do anything but uh, recommend it. Uh, if you're if you're itching for a a classic looting uh, looting game, uh, I can't recommend anything else. Like I said, same developer as as Tropico and and uh, Surviving Mars. Um, but uh, just a lot of good plain fun. What, what's the surprise? It's seventy-five uh, percent off for five bucks right now. The uh, uh, the DLCs all also on sale. It's another twenty bucks on top of it. Um, uh, it looks like two two packs um, plus uh, soundtrack uh, if you want that. Um, but uh, like I said, can't uh, I. I'd recommend giving it a look if you're looking for an RPG and uh, uh, and Diablo isn't doing it for you. Same thing with yeah, Grim Dawn. Yeah, I feel like I've seen um, I feel like I've seen uh, Victor Vran um, a million times. Like that's like a like a weirdly iconic image um, that I come across all the time. Uh, but yeah. I've never actually played the game. So the funny thing is, is if you go to the Grim Dawn uh, page. It's, like, the same type of character. They all look like Inquisitors from Warhammer 40K. Uh, with, like, the fucking, like, you know, like, Pilgrim-style hat and, like, vaguely gunslinger look. Um, and uh, so it, it, it's 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 funny that, like... Um, and then The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing, very similar, same type of hat, um, similar type of art. It, it, just, it just is kind of... Um, ARPG with 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 like witch hunter art is is apparently a a, uh, a genre on Steam that I just kind of discovered was 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 a was a theme, um, but I think that uh, that's pretty neat. But anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say about Victor Vran. Uh, uh, you have do you have anything to add or uh, move on to your next pick then? Uh, so my next pick is actually. Uh, I actually I feel like people will know this, um, but I do just kind of want to highlight it. It being on Steam for cheap. Uh, have you ever played Valkyria Chronicles? Um, I don't know. I I think I watched my my uh, the guy who lived next door to me in freshman year of college played on his PS4. Yeah, so Valkyria Chronicle was wow. a was a PS3 game that like came out exclusively. You know, like it came out on the PS3. Um, and, um, the, and then it eventually got kind of like bumped up, uh, to the PC, 66% off for six bucks, uh, seven bucks if you round up, I guess, um, for, but it, it, it's, it's actually a very cool game and it's a game that I liked a lot when I played it. Uh, it's basically a turn-based RPG, um, but it's very like, it, it has a lot of, um, JRPG kinds of adjacent ideas uh, but it's basically like this weird fusion between like medieval war and like world war two like the, the whole premise of the game is that you are playing like the tank commander in a small squad of, of like a unit of soldiers in a war right and so you're going around and you're fighting tanks and other tanks and you're fighting uh you know uh you're fighting enemy soldiers right and so you have a couple of your soldiers on the ground and they have a couple of uh their soldiers on the ground and your tank is really strong but you only have the one of it and it can't move 
you know, like, as freely or as quickly as your soldiers can. So there's there's a lot of kind of, like, layers to the gameplay that I found very interesting just because of, like, you know, the combination of you're fighting on the ground with five or six guys, um, but also with this big giant tank um, that can, you know, kick the shit out of, uh, out of a lot of things. And I was really interested by the way that they kind of, like, pulled a lot of tactical and strategic um, juice out of that kind of combination and that fruit. Um, then it also has a very typical, you know, JRPG stuff, like, uh, they're all anime teenagers, like, in this war. Um, and it's very story-rich, right? There's a, there's a lot of kind of, like, downtime with the characters where you get to know them and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so Valkyria Chronicles, it's something that came out on PC, but I wasn't sure if... You know, I feel I feel like it's something that that most folks may have overlooked uh, over time, and uh, and I wanted to bring it to attention. Yeah, um, I was I was gonna say that looked like a great price. I was considering buying it, but it turns out it's already in my library, so maybe I'll give it a play. <laughs> um, but uh, I would point out that uh, if you're interested, uh, getting and playing this right now might be a good idea because Valkyria Chronicles Four comes to PC on September 25th. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, I um, about that. Two and three, I think, were uh, Vita exclusives. So, you know, that's what happened to that series. Um, and I don't know if uh, the if the two and three were actually uh, well-received or not. I have no clue whatsoever. Um, because, I don't know, I, I never owned a Vita. That's probably, like, the, the only console that, like, I've never even, like, given a second thought to, like, purchase. Like, that, 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 that console was kind of, feels like it was dead on arrival. Uh, uh, but, yep. uh, <laughs> uh, I want, when does this come? Okay. So the game is already out for PlayStation four. Uh, and, uh, I think, um, but the PC version comes out in September. Okay. Uh, for, for four. So, uh, uh, oh no, it's only out in Japan right now. It releases simultaneously in America on September 25th for all the, con for all the consoles. So, Given that I, I I suspect we have a vanishingly small Japanese audience, play the uh, play the play the prequel from the Steam sale. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything else you wanted to say about uh, about uh, Valkyria Chronicles? Nope, that's Valkyria Chronicles, folks. All right, uh, next up on my list is going to be a a uh, indie game. It's one of the indie games that was uh, picked that was published by Microsoft Studios. It's called uh, Dust and Elysian Tale. Um, it is, uh, notable for being one of the prettiest games I have played in a long time, especially for when it came out, which was in, uh, 2013. It's like, it's, uh, I believe it's hand animated, but it's just a like, gorgeous, uh, kind of like modern animation style. I think it was all done by one dude too. Um, it's 75% off, only $3 and 74 cents. Um, but it's this kind of uh, charming adventure game with surprisingly, uh, I wouldn't say deep, but like like fun combat. Um, extremely comboable, and uh, and while the combat never gets like too, I want to say complex, it does get challenging. Um, it's got a neat story. Um, in the kind of the classic indie game, all you, ha all you everybody has a mysterious story with a twist at the end. Um, but it's got a charming world, um, and if you're a furry, it's very much a game about anthropomorphic uh, animals. So you know, if that uh, 
jiggles your your jowls, go for it. Um, jiggles your jowls. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I it's 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 a uh, it's a ton of fun. And I I don't know if I can say anything else about it. Um, you know, like I said, uh, three dollars thirty four cents can't go wrong. Okay. Uh, my next game, and this is gonna, this is gonna, any longtime listeners out there, get ready to have fucking, have your minds fucking blown, okay? Uh, my next game is actually, surprisingly, and very specifically an iteration of Fallout 4. <laughs> Which is to say, it is the, it's the Game of the Year edition that includes all of the DLC that they put out. Um, I, I talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, or maybe a couple of months ago at this point, where I went back to Fallout 4, I did a whole new playthrough, you know, to see what, with, with the DLC kind of included, to sort of see what it was like. And even though the base game itself still frustrated me endlessly, and, you know, I had all these reservations, and I was definitely mad about... Uh, I guess I would say I was I was angry with the game for its uh, its corner cutting in certain places. Um, I do want to say that uh, the DLC packs that they came out with were pretty interesting, um, and they are worth a look. Uh, specifically, Far Harbor um, is the uh, so they ha- so they have a couple of DLC packs that came out with like the, the the game of the year edition. One of them is just like automaton, which allows you to t- like pick up a new companion where you are building your own um, where like you're building your own uh, uh, robot who is specific who has what you install onto it right and so it's kind of like adds it in the same way you might customize your gun now you can make a robot and then customize it with automatron right um or the like the contraptions workshop uh there's also the vault tech and wasteland workshops these are just things that make um the 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 settlement building which is the thing i got into most in fallout for the base game uh more complex and more interesting right there's just like more stuff going on um but i really do want to highlight far harbor uh, sorry far harbor and nuka world uh, because far harbor and nuka world um are very traditional dlcs that we don't see a lot of these days right like the kind of 10 15 dollar you know, story packs that add in new stuff to the game, right? New guns, new weapons, a new area, and all of that sort of thing. It feels a lot like Dawn Guard for um, uh, for Skyrim, right? Like the four Fallout DLCs for Fallout New Vegas. Uh, you know, you had um, Dead Money, and you had Old World Blues. Um, and, and, and I think that the, these kinds of DLCs aren't things that people are looking for all that much in games anymore. And I honestly do think that's a little bit of a shame because I think that they're very cool and really interesting, right? Um, for instance, I think Mass Effect 3 gets a lot better with its its DLCs that come with it. And if you're somebody who plays through Mass Effect 3 with all the DLCs, um, it is a better experience and it's a really good game compared to, you know, playing Mass Effect 3 without that stuff and without that extra sort of, like, context. So, in in a feeble kind of old man we yells at Cloud way of talking about the past and how we used to do things, um, I do think that Far Harbor, Nuka World... Uh, are are pretty cool DLCs that that um, that I would recommend to people. And uh, in the same vein as your last recommendation, Fallout seventy six comes out in November. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
I would also like to point out um, for everyone at home that uh, if somehow you have managed to get this far and not have played Skyrim or Fallout 4, uh, they have a special bundle of Skyrim Special Edition Fallout 4 Game of the Year for 60% off, $40 for those two titles. And I can't think of a better uh, kind of set of games for, like, a better kind of value to dollar proposition than that. If you've got a, a gamer in your life that somehow doesn't have these uh, games, like maybe you've got, like, a cousin that just built their first PC, get this for them. And uh, that you you could do a whole lot worse. Um, so you know, yeah, just, just wanted to uh, to shout that out that 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 super deal. Um, uh, was that all you had on on on, uh, on that? Yeah, that was my big Fallout Four pitch. Okay, uh, this next one for me is going to be uh, probably going to be super short, um, but uh, I'm piling this one mostly because it's uh, it's incredibly cheap. Um, this is Super House of Dead Ninjas. Um, Again, as listeners may uh, may remember, I was playing this a bunch maybe six months ago. Um, it was at the time my game to play while I listened to podcasts. It's a it's a game by Adult Swim Games. It's a very kind of classic feeling uh, arcadey game. It just uh, it's it's like a standard beat 'em up. Um, it's it's actually even stylizing kind of like the the Super Nintendo esque graphics, right? Like if like this like I believe the launch screen is like a looks like it's a SNES uh, box, um, and it's uh, you know very simple but gets very challenging, uh, especially with some of the optional modes. Um, I've again I've played it like a, a thousand times and I've beat it. I've beat the main game once or twice, and like the 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 advanced modes just kind of n- not even. Uh, not even close uh, for a while, um, but it's good fun and is ninety percent off, which puts it at a whopping sixty nine cents. So uh, wow, yes, yeah. yeah. So if if you've got a couple extra quarters, uh, I I you know you I, again dollars to to time invested. Um, I've got thirty two and a half hours in this game apparently, which is more than like my investment in some. Very like shiny AAA games that I spent mm-hmm. sixty dollars on, and that's just in kind of like casually playing while uh, while listening to podcasts. So, like I said, for seventy cents, you you could do much worse. Um, but that's all I really have on 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 that game. Uh, I'll pass it back to you. Uh, the the next game on my list is also very very cheap, um, which is why I kind of put it on here. And I also feel like it's it's also a little bit like Valkyria Chronicles. It's one of those games that kind of like came out and uh, and maybe you played it, maybe you didn't, right? Uh, but Just Cause Two, um, Just Cause Two is kind of famously like I don't even know. I, I I know that it is based on kind of like certain sort of like goofy mega you know explosions action movies but i don't even really have a good as like a film guy i don't have a good thing where i can kind of say like oh like this is predator or this is like rambo because it's kind of even not like any of those uh, just cause 2 is a third person action game you know sort of a shooter sort of a it kind of maybe like a Grand Theft Auto is pretty close to it. Um, it is it is some of the most dumb fun I have had in my video gaming life. Um, it came out in 2010, and it was actually you know like so it came out in 2010, and and it was uh, and the reason I picked it up at, at the time was because Yahtzee, the the you know zero punctuation critic, named it his game of the year for 2010. Um, <clears throat> and and um, and it is just 
Yeah, it's it's the kind of game that you can zone out to where you want to just blow some stuff up and just like kill a bunch of baddies. You know, like there's no there's not a lot of tactics, there's not a lot of strategy, there's not even a lot of like skill to it. It's just kind of shoot oil tankers and they blow up and those explosions cause more fucking explosions, right? Get in a car and drive it off a ramp and jump out of it in midair and and parachute as the car flies into a helicopter and then the helicopter blows up and then it falls into an oil tanker and that blows up. Like, it's just, it's like that. That's that's the whole game. You know, grappling hook, it has this grappling hook mechanic that is just so fucking fun. Grappling hook to a helicopter, kill the guy in the helicopter, pilot the helicopter to shoot down another helicopter, and then jump out of the, the helicopter that you were in so that you can parachute away as that helicopter falls into an oil tanker, which then blows up. Like, that's what the game is. And it has, like, it has, like, the arcadey, like, points. Or it's not even, like, points, it's, like, percentages or whatever. Like, you enter an area and it's, like, this is the amount of shit that can be blown up. Blow up 100% of the shit for a bonus. Like... <laughs> it's just I don't even have a good way of explaining how just viscerally fun that is um, to play. But it is super fun and it is super cheap. Uh, only three dollars right now, eighty percent off. Comes highly recommended for anyone and everyone willing to give it a shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the uh, and the bundle, uh, or rather, actually the bundle. So there's a bundle with or so all the DLC is similarly discounted as three dollars and forty three cents on top of that, so six and a half dollars for the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um it looks like it comes in a bundle with just cause three. Um and that whole thing's ten to oh no. Oh no. I, I so the whole thing's sixty three eleven forty one. I, I just have enough items in the bundle that are cheap for me. Um uh, so if you want to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah I also I own just cause three but I have not actually played it. Um, um I have no idea whether or not it is as as fun, but now I want to install it and find out really bad and, because uh, just talking about it. <laughs> um, I would also point out that, like your past two recommendations, Just Cause Four comes out in December. So if you'd yeah. like to, if you'd like to, to I hope everyone's having fun. <laughs> uh, you know, check check it out. Um, I would also like to say that my favorite thing about or one of my favorite things about this game is uh kind of like the pun that goes along with all of that which is like why did you tether uh humvee to a helicopter um and then send them spinning off into the ocean uh just cause right it's it's right in the title uh uh, but uh yeah uh so uh that's uh that's just cause i have played um a little bit but but like not like way too little of it so uh just Cause is kind of the perfect of these, like, sandbox games. Kind of like Far Cry or whatever. You know how everybody always kind of complains about some of these games where they're like, why the fuck do I have to, like, sit here and, like, play through, like, three hours of story before the island opens up and I can just do what I want? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just Cause is the perfect example of that. There's, like, a small tutorial mission that I believe is skippable where you... Um, where it just teaches you the mechanics, right? Like, this is how you grapple, this is how you shoot your gun, this is how you do, you know, X, Y, Z sort of thing. Um, but uh, but then it just, like, lets you loose and it's like, fucking figure it out. <laughs> so, it's kind of perfect in that sense. Yeah, that, sound, that, sound, that sounds awesome. Uh, I might have to, uh, to check it out. Um, but uh, you all at home should, too. I, I, I suppose that's all, all your uh, your stuff on Just Cause? Yeah, yeah. All right. 
Um, I'm going to recommend a game of maybe similar scope to Just Cause. Um, it's uh, a game called Elex. Uh, again, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, listeners might remember I was playing this when it came out back in October. Um, it is 50% right off right now at 25 bucks. Um, uh, it, it's very janky. Uh, it is very, very Euro jank. Um, but, uh, and it's, it's, it's janky in the kind of classic, it's by Piranha Bytes, who did, I believe, Gothic and some other games, and they are famous for kind of, like, the amount of jank in their games, or, like, um, uh, and it definitely has that, but it also has, uh, this, this neat mix of, uh, tech and magic and, uh, just kind of, like, modern-ish gunplay, um, or you can, you can play it very Skyrim-ish if you want, you can also play it very, very kind of, like, Far Cry-ish, if you want to, although it is less about your shooting skills and more kind of about, um, like, the combat engine resolving itself. It is different than most kind of modern games in kind of this genre, like uh, like your, your, your Skyrims, in that um, the game isn't afraid to kind of have zones of enemies that you are not equipped to handle that you could just kind of randomly wander into, right? Like, you start the game, and, like, I believe off the right side of the path... Like, right there is, like, a zone with, like, level 30 creatures, and you start at level 2, and you have, like, no way of being able to defeat them. And so there's a lot of, kind of, like, that uh, repetition, uh, like, that kind of, like, feeling your way around. And that can be frustrating, but if you like that kind of thing, and you miss, kind of, those, that zoning that you got in the, uh, uh, in, in kind of the games of old, um, this is the game for you. Um, it's, you start out in, kind of, like, a foresty, like I said, kind of vaguely Skyrim-ish area. Um, the second area is like a Mad Max area. I know there's like a uh, like a Frozen North type area. I never quite got there, um, but it's uh, it's it's a very unique combination of things that I uh, haven't seen in a long time. And even though it's got a lot of flaws, I think it's I think it's worth checking out, uh, especially at a twenty five dollar price point. If you really get into it, it's a game that you could put like Skyrim levels of time into. Uh, so uh, that's my uh, that's. That's kind of all I have to say about that. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I my next game I want to recommend is called Banished. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about Banished on the podcast. It's a like it's a long time coming uh, for me to recommend this game if I haven't before because I really truly adore this game. Uh, and if you want a good sense for what Banished is like, I would highly recommend. Going and watching the Super Bunny Hop. We've talked about Super Bunny Hop on, uh, like, he's a YouTuber that we both follow um, before. And he has just, uh, he has a, a review of Banished from a couple of years ago when it came out. That is actually just really funny. Um, just because he kind of talks about how, like, weird and idiosyncratic a game it is. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a game that I've played for a thousand hours, right? Um, you know, Total War Warhammer 2 is a game that I, that can pull me for 300 hours, but I have 30 hours played um, in Banished, and I feel pretty good about that. Uh, but Banished is a city builder uh, strategy game that is much more along the lines of kind of a, like, renaissance level, like, medieval level kind of game. Like, it's sort of, I mean, you know, the idea is that you, uh, you start with a bunch of people who have been banished and go to a new... Uh, to, like, a new homeland, so you'd sort of get, like, a new area, um, to start your, uh, to start your city in, but, 
uh, it, it feels a lot to me like, you know, if there was a game about the Mayflower and the Pilgrims, right? Or, you know, Jamestown or something like that, Banished would look a lot like that. Um, where, you know, it is out in the wilderness. Can you manage a town of people with that kind of medieval level technology uh, to, to create a thriving city? Or are they all going to die because you mismanage it? Um, in, in the same way that, like, Surviving Mars is kind of a city builder where, like, there's no combat and the, and the only, like, tension sort of arrives from the environment Banished is very much like that. Uh, but I have to say that Banished's environment is much more brutal. Um, it has some of those kind of, like, indie game landmarks of, like... The, the UI for Banished, by the way, is fucking amazing and everything like that. Uh, but there's a lot of systems to the game that are that are pretty complex. And if you don't dig into them... They are liable to bite you in the ass if you're not like paying close attention, right? This isn't a game where you can kind of um, you can kind of coast through it because the, if you try and coast through it, you will get punished probably um, by you know by like the mechanics that by the like the mechanics at play that sort of. Uh, they sort of sort of sneak up on you. Um, anyway, Banish has been out for a while. It came out in 2014. It's less than ten dollars, six seventy nine. Um, so it comes as highly recommended. And fun fact uh, for anyone who was, it was my like my like game of choice when I was procrastinating and not paying attention to uh, uh, to Mark's uh, Rise of the Rune Lords game. I typically had Banished up. In, in my other screen because it's one of those games it's like it's it's so low-key that I can pay attention to what's going on um, and it's pausable obviously so like when it becomes my turn it's my turn sort of thing um, but I don't get bored to tears by having to listen to like Enoch describe you know what his kineticist is doing at any individual moment <laughs> yeah uh. call me out you don't listen to the podcast Mark <laughs> 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 It'll be funny if it gets called out because uh, if you get called out because uh, unlike you who have who has repeatedly mentioned that uh, uh, that you don't mind if people do other things while they play uh, online, um, Mark is very much against that. So yeah, no, I know, I know. Uh, that's for the for, for the people at home. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so a rousing endorsement for a banished play it. While you're supposed to be doing something else. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we're running a little bit low on time, um, and I've got a bunch of things you can potentially recommend. So, I'm going to ask you uh, for, like, what kind of thing are you looking for a recommendation on? And I'll see if I got, if any of my titles kind of kind of match. Like, you've got, like, a genre. Um, okay, sure. No, this is, uh, this is interesting. What about, like, uh, do you have, like, any JRPGs in there? Um, I might hold on. Um, there was one I was looking at, but I can't quite remember what it was. I don't think I have, no, I don't, I don't have any kind of like very traditional JRPG, uh, very traditional, like the, the menu, uh, driven thing, unfortunately, uh, gotcha, just, be gotcha. just because, um, I don't think that like there's, there's a ton of, I, I have found that genre to have become kind of like increasingly uh esoteric yeah kind of yeah yeah no i feel that because i mean it's the same sort of thing that like i get out of my paradox games you know what i mean like i buy into that quite a bit obviously but uh but i feel like for friends of 
uh, for friends of ours. Like our friend Josh, who we played Iron Gods with, for instance. You know, he is a huge JRPG fanatic, and I bet he is... The way that I am about something like Europa Universalis, I'm sure he is about one of these niche JRPG sort of experiences. Yeah, yeah I, I can tell you that... Um, or I can point out that Final Fantasy Fifteen is on sale, although that is that is kind of like the definition of AAA. Uh, oh, do I actually own that? You know, I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and you can, you can, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I guess full disclosure, buddy worked for Square, so this is not. Yeah, like that's a, true. This is not an endorsement. This is or like a. Did I endorse any Square games? Just Cause is Square game. Oh, is it really? I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's yeah. why I have Just Cause three, but I've never played it. Okay. Um, yeah, and Final Fantasy fifteen. I have played. I haven't played it on PC, even though I own it on PC. Mm-hmm. It is uh, fun. Um, and apparently it got much better when with with all the updates, so that could be a recommendation from me, uh, who does not work for Square. Um, but uh, that was kind of a swing and a miss. Did you did you have did you have an, a, another genre? Uh, you know, do what about do you have any fighting games? Fighting games. All right. So, uh, Street Fighter is on sale for twenty five bucks. Um, but that's only the first and second season. But that's a solid entry into the series if you want that. Um, but a game that's not quite a fighting game, but kind of falls into that same kind of, like, um, like, fluidity of combat and kind of, like, uh, strength of, uh, of, uh, oh, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, 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 kind of strength of, uh, of, uh, of, of mechanics is Fury, uh, which is a very excellent soundtrack in addition to being a very excellent game. It's a boss, it's, it's a game of, like, 12 boss fights. Is sixty percent off at eight dollars, and you can get it with the DLC, which is one more fight which I haven't played, um, uh, for ten bucks. Um, and uh, the soundtrack is fifteen dollars. It's fortunately not on sale, but it is worth it. Um, I this is not on sale. You can just kind of buy it after you play it. Uh, very very good. It's a combination of sword fighting and bullet. Um, and, and shooting your gun and just kind of like the, this this really great marriage of music and mechanics and style, um, along with like that kind of like I said indie game uh, flair uh, that that uh, and the twist at the end that uh, makes it a very compelling eight to ten hour experience. Um, another game I will recommend that is more of a traditional fighting game is Nidhogg. Um, it is five dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nidhogg Two might be out, but I haven't played it, so I cannot recommend it. Is it is it is out? It is fifty percent off at seven fifty. The original is five bucks, um, but the original is, is is a it's a fencing game um, where you are fighting for the honor of being consumed by the Nidhogg, um, which shows up at the end of, of uh, each fight to devour the winner. It's very simple, kind of back and forth of uh, each player, kind of uh, or. Um, you're two fencers, and if you kill the other player, you get priority, and you could start moving in your direction. And the idea is to reach the end of the stage. Um, uh, however, the, your opponent will respawn after a couple of seconds, and will be able to out uh, out fence you. And if he is able to kill you, he will have priority, and he will be able to start running in his direction. Um, and it has uh, just kind of like this: these very simple mechanics. You can hold your rapier at mid, low, or high. Um, and that kind of blocks uh, thrusts from those positions. Um, if you move your uh, your uh, your sword kind of into the zone that your opponent's sword is in, you will disarm them. Um, if uh, and you can hold your sword above your head and then chuck it uh, to as is as, as a uh, makeshift ranged attack. Um, 
uh, and you can also you also move faster without the sword in your hand. Um, and uh, you can there, there's like a, a like a, a couple of punching mechanics, but they're they're not super in depth. But uh, just kind of like that combined with like these like four stages and the stages add the real variety to the game. Um, and it's so simple, but it's so compelling and hard and fun and great to just kind of like sit around and play with your friends. So uh, I would definitely go with with Nidhogg on the strong fighting games recommendation for that one. Uh, that was okay. kind of like two for me, so sorry for. Uh, uh, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. I only have two more anyway. Uh, my my next one, a my next one to just be really quick. I actually think you own this game, though. I wonder if you've actually played it. Um, is called uh, Rebel Galaxy. Um, it's uh, it's it's a game. Apparently, this is like a whole subgenre that I only like scratched the surface on. Uh, but it's the subgenre of kind of like single player, sort of like Eve games, where like or like FTL sort of thing, where like you start with a, um, you know, like you start with a ship and you start trading and running missions and stuff like that and destroying other ships and then your ship gets upgraded and you can buy new weapons for it and stuff like that. It's very procedurally generated, but actually quite a lot of fun. Um, I. I didn't play it for super long, uh, but it's pretty cheap right now. Uh, excuse me. And it's something that I feel like uh, folks might not have seen before. Uh, so three ninety nine, you know, pretty straightforward Rebel Galaxy. Yep, that's a, is a game that I bought in a previous Steam sale that I have not yet gotten around to playing. Uh, you know, that, that's how this goes sometimes. But it does look very neat. So uh, maybe I'll take that as an opportunity to go and actually play this game. Yeah. Um because uh, it does look fun. Um, uh, what what kind of uh, game is it really? Uh, is, is it like like is is uh like wait, how does it control? Is it like is it like Eve where like you you just kind of like target things and you hit the fire lasers button and then the combat plays itself out? Uh, no, the, well a little bit of that I guess. Um, but like you move the ship around. I guess it kind of looks a little bit what like Black Sails looks like, right? Like there's no. Okay. There's no like NPC like you. There's no like PC that you move. It's the sh you move the ship. Right. So. Okay. Okay. Neat. All right then. I'll have to check that out. Um. Uh. Yeah. I'll ask you again. Do you have uh? Do you, you have you have a genre you're looking for a recommendation on? Uh. Like just you know what 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 are like the action games that you have in there? Action. So uh, this this will be a good one to do for action games. Um, kind of in the vein of games that are have that have sequels upcoming, I want to recommend Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition is fifty percent off at ten bucks. Soundtrack is also fifty percent off. Um, which is a really, very good, very good soundtrack. This is one thing I really love about these indie games is they all come out with like great fucking soundtracks that are a joy to listen to. Um, oof, that's actually one of the best parts about Banished. I actually still go and sit there and just listen to the Banished soundtrack sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so, Ori and the Binding Force is a, is a, basically like a Metroidvania, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's very, very pretty, um, uh, uh, it's the story of, like, this little white creature whose name is Ori, um, and it, it just jumps around, has a skill tree, just, like, a bunch of little stuff where, you, like, you, you very hard, hard focus on platforming, and uh, platforming mechanics with with a little bit of like ranged combat in there, and it is um, just a charm. Um, the story's kind of wordless, but still compelling. Um, it's uh, it's it's the perf. It's it's like I said, just challenging enough. Um, hand drawn backgrounds and all that. Uh, 
kind of like dust, like I mentioned earlier. I don't know if there's much else to, that I can really do justice with it with words. I would recommend going and watching the trailer because you can kind of see the game in motion and see how pretty it is. Um, and uh, like I said, there's a sequel coming out uh, later this year, I believe, or early next year. Um, and uh, I would, if, if I were you, I would get myself ready to play the new version by uh, uh, by, by boning up on, on your Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, I will put in the caveat that I have not actually technically played the definitive edition. I played the original game. Um, to completion, um, but that is no longer available on the Steam store. Um, but the definitive edition, as far as I know, has only added good things. Uh, so uh, uh, feel free to, uh, to 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 go back and uh, look at that. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, my last recommendation, uh, another quick one, and I'm sure people have, have have seen or heard about this, but it's actually Game Dev Tycoon. Have you played Game Dev Tycoon? No, I had, I. Had, I don't really have interest in the in the kind of tycoon type of games, but uh, sell me it's up. it's kind of uh, you know it's a fun sort of facsimile of what it's like to develop a game, you know, and you uh, and you kind of progress through the like being a really small, just like a couple of people, right? But then you get bigger and bigger, and you're adding more and more features and stuff like that. Um, but it's kind of like a nice like almost history lesson because you know so the like. There's Nintendo, but it's called something different, like like Min Min Mindoten or something like that. And then there's PlayStation, but it's called like the Playbox or something like that. Um, and uh, and so it, it's actually kind of like a neat little game version of history of like game history, right? Um, where you learn about. Um, where kind of just playing through it, you get a sort a certain sense for what. Uh, like what the history of like popular game development has has kind of like looked like. I don't know what it what it you know when I played it. Um, like I don't even think the Xbox One and PS4 were were out. Um, but uh, the uh, but but I think it's just like I it's pretty neat. You know, like I have six hours, right? I don't think it's very long. Um, <clears throat> but for anybody who just kind of wants to like do something different, something new. Um, I feel like Game Dev Tycoon is a pretty good uh, uh, is a pretty good entrance point. It's five bucks. Okay, yeah. So, uh, uh, is is it like just how how deep is like the uh, like there's a bunch of these sim type games and a lot of them uh, and, and and I don't kind of understand like the the base modality of play. Um, is, is it like one of these games that's designed to also run on mobile, so it's just kind of like tapping through menus? Not that's like a, necessarily a bad thing. Just kind of I'm curious about the. The, the uh, Ludix, I guess, is the best way to put it, of the game. Uh, I broke the game pretty quick, uh, which is to say that the, the underlying systems were not that difficult to, um, you know, understand or work around. Though now I'm actually sitting here and I'm looking at, they actually released a new content update in March um, that includes a, a mode where you have severely reduced sales on all of your games... Um, and you have to protect against piracy with, like, copyright stuff, um, which is apparently, like, an ultra-hard, like, hard-mode version of playing, uh, uh, of playing the game. Um, <clears throat> but, like, yeah, like, the underlying, as far as I understand it, <clears throat> the underlying sort of, uh, game mechanics are not that, um, complicated to, to break down, uh, and I had a pretty easy job just moving through and 
figuring out the 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 basics for how it works. Okay. Um, I I think that's uh, where I'm gonna where, where we, we're gonna leave it for the Steam sale. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, you know, if also any games that we have uh, played or that we've talked about playing uh, that are on sale uh, that we've recommended on the podcast, count those as recommendations too. Um, but with that, I'm gonna ask you, uh, how was your week? Um, how was my week? My week was pretty good. I've been playing like a fucking shitload of Total War, uh, but what else have I been doing? Oh, I, we, I should, need... we should probably do, um, House Rebels. Oh, God, you're right. We played House We played two sessions of House Rebels, right? Uh, since we last recorded, Didn't we, yeah, like, I think record I th- late or something? No, we recorded right before the, the, we were right before two sessions ago, and then we played last session, and then we played last session, we're recording after the next session, so we do have two sessions. Um, it's that was the second half of the uh, of the blue dragon rivers uh, rivers fight, and uh, and the beginnings of negotiations. Uh, yeah, I'm really bummed that we didn't get to do like the the kind of set piece of that whole thing was with the Kokari because the yeah. Kokari are kind of like the most ready like readily available sort of like military force. But I'm not going to spoil any of that. I also think that we're. Aren't we off this week? Isn't Charles in Japan? Didn't he tell us about yes, this? Yes, Charles. Yeah. Charles is uh, currently currently ab- abroad, um, and might be yeah. actually for a couple weeks. Um, I know he comes. He comes back on the fourth. Um, okay. But that is I, 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 not I, a concern I remember for him us. telling us he was like, "I'm yeah. going. I'm going away." Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. Like maybe maybe we'll do the Kokari thing anyway, just because it was kind of, you know it was supposed to be rolled into last session, but it wasn't. Um, but uh, but whatever the case may be, yeah, it, I, I feel like it's um, I like sessions like the like the most recent session because it allows for a lot of sort of um, oh oh kind sorry of like, sorry to interrupt, but we can do the Kokari session because Alaric's busy fucking off in uh oh you're right in Kionid in Kionid yeah that okay. makes sense uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny <laughs> um, yeah I like sessions like this because it, it 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 feels to me it's kind of like. You know, it's like narrative, like, shoelacing, right? Like, you know how, like, you tighten up your shoe by by kind of, like, pulling together all of the little... This is, like, the worst metaphor of my life. Um, by the, all of the little rings that you lace your shoe through. This is what it feels like. It feels like you guys are, like, lacing through these different sort of things, and you're going and you're talking to people and kind of, like, bringing it all back together and sort of, like, into the narrative. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's cool. That's that's interesting. And, uh, th- these sessions... I. These sessions feel kind of um, uh, the the feel like the politics in a way at, are at the they're not difficult or challenging, right? But like they're there um, in in a in a, like a, in a way it makes it feel like Game of Thrones or something like yeah. that to me. No, I, I absolutely feel that. Um, I, I will highlight that uh, you know, uh, so we're we're. Uh, we're getting all of these, uh, these allies and, you know, a lot of, like, during these scenes, like, Beauregard gets a lot of screen time, uh, just because that's kind of what he does. Um, but so we go to Vire and I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to get, uh, to get fucking Rakax involved because he's got, like, that personal connection, right? And then I, like, I, and so I'm like, I'll let Rakax do his thing and I kind of, like, zone out for a little while and, you know, and then I come, come in, like, I zone back in and he's like, yo, can, can we, like, breed an army in two weeks? It's like, what? What? What is happening? Why did, why did I let, why did I let the cat be in? 
Enoch regularly, uh, Enoch regularly, like, makes me, my, like, brain malfunction. <laughs> Although, like, like, he's got a bunch of these moments, uh, like, that it's happened across every game I've played with him, where, like, in, uh, in my, in my Rise of the Rulers game that I was playing in person, um, like, someone rolled, he, like, rolled poorly on, like, a survival check, um, to, like, detect, like, a, a bunch of goblins, um, but, it was, like, he rolled it in the open, and he did poorly, and so I told him kind of facetiously, um, uh, you think that there's frost giants over the hill, but he didn't get that I was saying it to him facetiously, so he's like, there's frost giants over the hill, guys, like, um, and, like, I was, like, everybody else at the table was like, oh, it's a joke, right? He's like, dude, you gotta watch out for these fucking frost giants, and so it's like a half hour, I'm like, no, Enoch, it's not actually frost giants, <laughs> um, but I love it because I just imagine it's his character doing it too, right? Like, Rakax just doesn't understand what a fucking tiefling is. Like, yeah, you can just grow a couple in two weeks, right? Like, that's where they come from, right? So, I, I, I love that about... I, I love that kind of uh, about uh, the way he plays his characters. It's kind of, like, very kind of... Uh, like, uh, th th that level of, of cluelessness can, can, can be a joy sometimes. Yeah. Um... Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say about that. Did, did this, did this go in, did, did all this go in the way that you were expecting? Uh, uh you know, basically, I guess, uh, you, you guys, um, the, the, the thing with like Barzillai staying back and kind of proselytizing to get, uh, you know, to get people to sign up in, in sort of like an auxiliary force or whatever, um, that was new. That wasn't something I had really thought of, but I, in a way, sort of recentered the whole thing around that idea, okay. I guess. Um, where it kind of became like, how many people can you can you pull up? Which I think is is better and more interesting, obviously. But you know, it it, it was not something that I had built into the encounter initially. Okay. Um, and kind of along those lines, that this is this is going to be a little bit more, uh, maybe. Uh... A little bit more, I guess, about player behavior, but um, uh, it, it seems like recently uh, Charles has been has been highlighting that he wants like his he want he like very blatantly called out that he wants like kind of like some mechanical advantage for kind of like these story things that we're doing, and I kind of always assume that you rolled it into that, um, but obviously he's kind of having a trouble trouble perceiving it, and 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 uh. Do you think that's like a, a problem that you're that that's worth addressing, or do you think it's just kind of like a like like what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel as though there it's it's kind of a thing where it's like the narr like it's a narrative ludic thing, you know, where like I there there I these things are valuable from a narrative perspective, not from a from a ludic perspective, right? Right. Like the payoff to to doing well and to getting getting a lot of people on board is that the narrative goes the way that you want it, um, and you will you know you will be able to beat back this encroaching army from Nadal, right, with as few casualties as possible, or kind of like whatever else that looks like, right? Like like even I mean even outside of the sort of like plot armor of like you know you guys typically succeed. Right. right, you're you're the heroes of this story. Obviously, this isn't like a super depressing, you know, requiem for a dream thing. Like you guys are going to win most of the time because that's the kind of story that we're in, it's, duh, sort of thing. But like even outside of that, I think that in there's there's a certain temptation to kind of like 
backfill sort of stuff like that so that you reflect narrative development with kind of ludic development um, and you can even see this inside of hell's rebels right like when you guys got that like bonus feat or whatever for like setting up the rebellion right and like all of that stuff like that was a syst that was a ludic system that was built to kind of mirror sort of the narrative of um how you guys have have been progressing uh i don't really get a get a sense that you i i don't think that that's good necessarily um I, I think that, like, if you guys are going to get personal benefits, like, ludic benefits, uh, I like that to be more... Like, the bonus feats are a good example of this, right? Like, that's a very personal thing, right? Like, it is something that your character kind of honed in on and, right, like, and, like, mastered. And that was, like, built for you, but it was also a reflection of, like, the narrative and the sort of, like, growth for your character. Um, but I don't know what kind of, like, gameplay benefits I would be... Like, what gameplay benefits should i assign in that way so um, i so i i think I, I think maybe um maybe there's just kind of like a misunderstanding of, of, of how this is going to resolve itself because my read on on this from 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 uh from charles perspective is kind of an assumption that there is going to be some set of roles that determines how well our war with nadal goes and like our clever our clever role-playing efforts should uh, modify those roles in some way but it feels like maybe that's not how it's going to play out um and i think this is kind of like a, a fundamental question about how uh about how like some of these like how some of these things play out on like a larger scale right because if, if there are some sort of backing roles that implies that we have a chance of failing it and maybe there's a path that we go down where nadal wins the invasion and we're just kind of like a guerrilla force again, maybe with the glorious reclamation or something. No, I mean uh, that's real. That like that, you're 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 absolutely right. That's real. Um, I I mean, it, I I almost kind of think that that's sort of like, and, and this is going to sound meaner than I think it should, um, but I almost sort of think that that's kind of like an insecurity that's bred out of us being very traditional video game players. Yeah, because video games do not have a good, do not have a good ability to simulate this kind of shit, right? Um, but, uh, you know, and so, and so like, and a lot of the times video games need to kind of like ludically signal this stuff to you, um, in, in kind of overt ways. Otherwise it doesn't like really get across, right? You need, you need a meter that fills up with numbers to track your reputation with this faction. Right. right yeah. It's kind of like the video game equivalent of this. I am essentially writing all that stuff out because I can kind of react dynamically, uh, in a way that a computer sort of, uh, sort of kind of can't. Yeah. I, uh, but that, to, but to like point, put, right? yeah, but to put this in the most broad strokes terms, right? You guys coming up with a clever way to use assets at your disposal, right? Read Barzillai, um, and, you know, uh, and, 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 and putting like forth this, this sort of like citizenship incentive for people to sign up. That is something that positively affects your chances on what goes on with sort of the Nadal, uh, the sort of the Nadal thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a certain amount of it that's just kind of like, no, like, trust me, it does. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'm totally on board with that. I was just, it, it's interesting to see it kind of like come out in a, in a way that like, like clearly Charles feels like, like that hasn't like Charles, that, that connection isn't there for Charles. And, and uh, I, I wonder how to kind of like solve that problem. Right. Because at some level it's like uh, it's, it's, it's not, I don't think a, a huge problem, but it is, it is something to like, 
it is something that, that someone might consider, you know, like this is GMing advice, basically, right? Like, like how, do, how do you deal with a, a player that feels like his, his actions aren't impactful or, or, or something? Um, I don't know how to quite phrase it, which is the only reason I was, I was interested in interrogating it. But I, I think you're, you're ultimately right that it's kind of like a, maybe like a, a better understanding of kind of like how tabletop RPGs work. Cause yeah, it's, it's also, and, and I do sympathize because it is tough to kind of explain this sort of thing um, to, um, okay. it's, it's, you know, it's tough to explain this sort of thing to you guys because like you don't have the ability to like save scum. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. see what it what it had been like if you didn't choose all this stuff, right? Like, I mean, I'll be, like I, I've talked about this before, but like uh, the choice that you made to bind yourselves with Barzlai Thrun and not go to war was the like if I had to put chances on it, right? Like in that momentous choice, I probably would have put greater than fifty percent chance that you guys would have just said fuck it and gone to war anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. you would have said Barzlai can't be trusted. This is obviously some some trick, or you would have said. You know, we can't give him that much control under the, you know, under the executive or whatever. Like, if he's the, if he's the head of state, he's going to like fucking ruin this shit or whatever, right? Like, I like I just expected that to go the other way, and in a lot of ways, I was probably more prepared for it to have gone that way, just because that was in line with what book four, as written in the story, is right. So it would have been easier to sort of like crib stuff, obviously. Um, but you know, like. You don't get to sort of see any of that stuff in the same way that I do, um, and I don't really know how to remedy that. Like, yeah, I tell, I, like you know, what I mean? like after this is all over, do I tell you what it would it would have looked like if Nadal won or something? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's an interesting thing for us to do on a podcast. But I think I think it's kind of like um, both as players and as you as a GM is just kind of like a weird set of expectations that we've built out because we're. Um, I think most of us were video gamers first, right? Like mm-hmm. so, like yeah, yeah. there's the expectation, like there's like kind of like the um, like the the theoretical safe scum, right? Like the theoretical second path that is built out in a video game that, that just doesn't doesn't ever happen. Um, an adventure path. Uh, it, it, that's an interesting thing. Maybe that's a thing to explore deeper in in an episode at some point if I can formulate if I can formulate like a a better way of paraphrasing the problem. Um, but I did actually want to talk about briefly, just because... Um, so, my week was kind of uh, box standard. I played a bunch of the new PUBG map, which Oh, is, yeah, we did play that yeah. new PUBG map. That's that's very cool and very new. Yeah, it's it's much smaller. The action's a lot more intense. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, not that I don't enjoy the base game anymore. It's just kind of like it's a new shininess. Um, not a fan of the daily new quest system. It's $10 for, like, a fucking... Like, event pass is very Fortnite-ish. Um... And, like, you can earn cosmetics with it, and there are, like, daily quests to do, which, like, affect the way that you play the game in a way that I don't think is good. Um, I actually don't... So, I don't understand the system. What 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 is it? So, as this event goes on for the next 30 days, you can level up in the event. And when you hit certain breakpoints, you will get certain cosmetics. If you have the premium pass, you will get more of them. And um, the other part of this is that gaining experience, you get, like, a very, very, very low rate of experience gain. Um... Uh, by just playing the game normally. There uh-huh. are daily and weekly quests to do, which are things like get a kill with an AR, get three kills with a handgun. Oh, that's, uh, that's awful. Holy yeah. shit. Um, and then half of those quests are only available to um, two people with, with the season pass. So, like, they okay. have... Uh, or no, the, My the, God, what pass. an awful system. Yes. Um, that is, like, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's not loot boxes, so, you know, it's, it's slightly better than that. Um, yeah. Although, like... 
75% of the crease you unlock with regular, with, with like in-game currency are, are, uh, are locked for real world keys anyway, which is another piece of shit that I hate. Um, luckily we, I play first person, so I don't really care what my character looks like. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible and, and I, I hate it, but the base game is still good and it doesn't really affect that in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I actually think that these daily quests are just like a terrible idea. Um, kind of in, in the, like, like get three kills with a handgun is like a terrible quest objective for the day. Cause it's like a thing that yeah. you're that like it affects when you play, it makes you play suboptimal, play the game suboptimally. Um, in a way that I don't think is a problem for say like call of duty. Cause that game is about respawning and kind of like, just like derping around. It's not as, is, is, well, the game is like, well, no game is serious, right? Like a couple of of extra deaths in quick death, quick play death match in COD isn't a big deal. Um, whereas, like, a death on a, uh, in a squads game in PUBG is potentially, like, 20 minutes basically wasted, right? Yeah. Um, um, and while well, I do think that you could, you could do something like, like, one of the quests is played for an hour on Miramar, which I'm sure is there so that somebody plays fucking Miramar this weekend while the new, the new map is out, right? Which, which one is Miramar? Uh, it's the desert. Okay. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the other one's a wrangle, if you were curious. Um, and I think that those kinds of things are fine, because they're all things that you have to do before the game starts and, like, kind of just affects the way you you approach play rather than the way you, you play moment to moment. Um, uh, but I also think there's not enough... It, it'd be hard to generate a large variety of those. Um, I just think it's a bad system, um, but I don't care, so I'm not affected. Uh, but that's kind of my only, my, my only real thoughts on that. I also played a little bit of Mario Tennis Aces, came out on Friday. Um, that's a cool game. I haven't gotten deep enough into it yet to, um, to really give a full review on it, but there's a lot of depth in there. They clearly, like, took the original Mario Tennis and, like, ratcheted it up to 11 in terms of, like, weird depth. And you can already see on, like, Twitter, like, this gets... This is getting, like, fighting games levels of salt in it. Like, oh, you're so cheap using Slice with Boo! It's like, I, I don't understand, but the, it feels like they've made, like, a fighting game out of a, out of a tennis game. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but a question, a thing I wanted to talk about briefly, just because, you know, that's, like, my... my PUBG is something we've talked about before, I don't have enough on, on Mario Tennis, um, is I've been thinking a lot about um, kind of... Uh, the way playing the game, playing Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder feel, and I've come up with an interesting idea. I want to, I want to see what you think about it. Um, uh, something that Fifty does uh, a lot that Pathfinder doesn't do um, is that instead of doing static static bonuses, a lot of spells give you extra dice, right? Like, um, like bless instead of being like a plus whatever, it's a D four on your rolls. Um, uh -huh. uh, and the, the main, the core mechanic of uh, of 5e is disadvantage and advantage, which is rolling 2d20s. Um, and thinking about it, I think that the the kind of game feel of rolling more dice actually feels a lot better than static modifiers, right? Like, you get a handful of d6s, and you just kind of roll them for your sneak attack. That feels really good. Um, but that, like, the, the caveat there is it only applies around the table. Um, it doesn't apply in our online games. Um... And so I like that is kind of like this like this base level revelation I came to in terms of like how to improve the online experience because we, we've we've 
uh, talked about doing different things like doing the face camera and whatnot. Right. Um, I was wondering if if you if you kind of agree with with, with that with that general sense that I uh, that, that I've just talked about, like rolling dice is rolling more dice feels better, but it only works if you're actually rolling the dice with your hand. I'm pretty I'm pretty inclined to agree with that premise, specifically because I feel like we get into macros. Um, yeah. And I actually, this is something that I enjoy quite a bit about Roll20, um, is the ability to just, like, hit a button and you're, and you instantly get, like, a result, uh, and it adds up all of, like, the bonuses or whatever, right? Like, like I mean, rolling something like Kolbjorn's attacks in Iron Gods would be insanely unwieldy outside of Roll20, because there, was all, there were all of these different pieces to it that I could just kind of put into a math equation um, in a macro and hit a button and be good. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, like, I don't know that rolling extra die uh, would... the it, that Because it's such, like, a fundamental piece of sort of, like, macro design, like, I guess I would have to just, like, bake that into all of my macros and say, like, when, whatever, add this. You know what I mean? But that seems weird and not so great. I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for... Um, I don't have a good answer for for how that would look. But I, I guess I agree with you that it... it um, you, you, it would not work. It, it, it does not work, I guess, really. Okay. Um, you, you, it, do, you, do you agree with the premise that it feels better to roll more dice in the first place? Just Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Um, so... My, my, my thought, my, my kind of, like, counter, counter thought to this is that, well, online games then need to do a thing that um, in-person games, like, take advantage of, 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 you know, like, the advantage of, of around-the-table game is the ta is that tactileness, right? Like, the, the miniatures, the battle map, the feel of the dice in your hand, mm -hmm. um, and that maybe our online games should be playing more to the advantages of that system and then and the kind of like the, the, the conclusion I came to is that you really need to um like embrace kind of like this divinity original sin uh uh divinity two at least and I'm not sure if divinity one has it but like this model of uh kind of the way that online games work which is kind of like if you can pair like some really nice animations with it um or allow kind of like the tactical engine to be deeper because you because that one does all handle get handled behind the scene that's kind of like the ideal way uh to do it um uh and i i think that's kind of got to be the way that online play wants to go if in kind of like a purely online experience kind of kind of capture that around the table magic because like I, I love i love our roll 20 games don't get me wrong i love hell's rebels but there's just something about them that doesn't quite work as well as uh as 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 the around the table games, um, and uh, you know, I think there's other parts of this too. Something that the Angry GM brought up recently uh, was that like part of it is uh, in in their digression in, in his digression to dragons podcast is that um, you can't have like side conversations at the table in online, right? Like if more than one person is talking over voice comms, it kind of just fucks it up entirely. Whereas like you know. Two characters who aren't currently engaged in the, with the GM can talk to each other about things in character um, around the table, and I don't know if there's a, if there's a good way to, to, to solve that. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, you see it a little bit, and sometimes we have like like Enoch will make comments in the like 
will make comments in the like Roll Twenty chat, and I think like and I like I've responded to him, other people have responded to him, and that's kind of where that kind of like little side conversation can happen, but it's it's not smooth enough to really facilitate it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, an interesting the like I guess sort of deficiency about yeah. about playing online. But yeah, I I, I didn't think we could, I could pull a full episode out of that, but uh, I, I I wanted to kind of bring it up because I've been thinking about it a lot, and I thought it was. Neat or interesting? You you have any any thoughts on it? Um, no, no. I feel pretty. Yep, that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, I kind of at one point want to try out that divinity uh two dungeon master mode because I think I think that'd be. Oh, I definitely do want to do that. Though I, I haven't. I, I should check if it's on Steam sale. Uh, yeah, I haven't bought it. I haven't. I did. I didn't buy it yet. Yeah. So you know, what, super secret last recommendation. If it's on sale, like I, I haven't finished that game, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, the single player, uh, Divinity Two. Let's let's see. Let's see. Uh, I probably spelled it wrong. Uh, do Divinity Original Sin Two. Click. It is on sale. Twenty percent off. Only thirty six dollars. Um, and the Divine Edition, which contains the digital art book, map, sound. Track and art pack is forty eight bucks. Um, and then the Eternal Edition, which has uh, I don't even know what the developer's cut is. Uh, oh no, it's got the Divinity Two developer's cut, which is an ARPG. Oh man, those those fucking games are are fucking old. Beyond yeah. Divinity, Divine Divinity. Man, yeah, I remember yeah, playing yeah. fucking Divine Divinity when I was in high school. Um, but anyway. Uh, uh, that's all on sale. So if, uh, if you want a really deep, uh, a really deep, uh, tactical combat game. So I actually just kind of like expound on this for a second. Um, when, because Pillars of Eternity 2 was coming out, I went to Pillars of Eternity 1 and I got to tell you that in Tyranny, while I enjoyed those games, I really can't get into the pausable real time stuff. I really prefer Divinity's, uh, Divinity is turn-based. I really prefer that. Um, yeah, I, I actually was feeling the exact same thing. I stopped... What happened? I was playing something, and I was like, you know what, I really want to play... Um, oh, I was playing Battletech. And I was like, you know what, I want to play something a lot like this. And then I re realized, I was like, oh, like, you know, Pillars of Eternities, developed by Paradox. You know, I'm sure it's, like, very similar. But, like, yeah, there is something about the pausable real-time that just feels so w much worse to me, I guess. And I don't know how to explain why. Um, the Divinity mechanics, as I've seen them, are, are very similar to Valkyria Chronicles, so, like, I didn't have an answer for the JRPG recommendation, but this is actually pretty close to it. So, you know, Divinity yeah. Original Sin for your JRPG needs. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's kind of everything I had that I wanted to talk about. Um, we still got a couple minutes left, uh. Oh, something I wanted to mention was that Angry GM, uh, you know, uh, develop uh, ideas uh, whose ideas we regularly, uh, or maybe not ideas, but like whose topic ideas we regularly take to talk about on this show. Um, right. He is. He has a Kickstarter right now um, for a book, which is content that is beyond his website. Um, if you like him, I'd, I'd recommend getting in on that. He does not need your help. He is. He blew past his goal within, uh, like, like I think like. Like within hours, and he has blown past all of his stretch goals, and he can't think of any more good stretch goals, so he's not doing any more stretch goals. Um, but uh, if you want to get in at twenty five bucks for the book, 
uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd recommend that to everybody out there. I'll uh, throw a link in the description to that. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of the last stuff that that I've been thinking about this week. Do you, you have anything else? No, that uh, well, I did go see Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Uh, we plan on doing, I guess, that and The Incredibles next week. Do you want to do that next week? Uh, yeah. Let's let's let's. Uh, I I think. Yeah, let's 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 do that. Okay, um, so so for anybody listening to this now, you know it'll be a little bit after these these movies kind of come out, and I guess some of the Discord. It's like been three weeks after The Incredibles has come out, and I yeah. still haven't seen it. But but um, uh, I did see Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and I don't want to say anything because I just said that we're gonna. I okay, yeah, yep, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll uh, we'll we'll do that. Um, oh. Uh, I watched Fargo the other day. You've never first... watched Fargo? Yeah. Um, I love the Coen Brothers, too, so it was a long time coming. Yeah, I, uh, I also very much enjoy the uh, the Coen Brothers. I love the Coen Brothers because everybody's favorite Coen Brothers film is very different. Uh, you know, like, there's... Uh, they, they have, a, like, this wide variety, and some people are like, oh, like, a serious man, or, you know, Inside Lewin Davis, or... Uh, no Country for Old Men or Fargo or Raising Arizona. Like, there's just like so many of them, um, but they're all like different enough that uh, that I that, that that that's like a it's like a like a film. It's like my like a film nerds game. You know, like everybody has like the same favorite like Spielberg movies, right, or Scorsese movies. But I feel like the Coen Brothers are are much more unique. What what is uh what what's your favorite? My favorite is probably a serious man. Um, I think their best movie is There Will Be Blood. Or, no, I'm sorry, not There Will Be Blood. Fucking No Country for Old Men, which is what they won the Academy Award for. Um, just because, like, that movie is, like, lean as fuck. But uh, A Serious Man is a little more idiosyncratic, and it's a little more like them, I guess. Um, I don't know. I haven't. I have not seen any of the, the movies. I have not seen any movies of theirs that I did not... Um, that I did not enjoy, uh, though I haven't seen a couple of them, uh, specifically like, you know, the Hudsucker proxy, uh, you know, Barton Fink. Um, yeah, Hudsucker proxy, but that's been on my list for a while because I watched like the opening to it and I keep, I keep catching it on television every once in a while. I've, I've never finished it. Yeah. I remember I watched Raising Arizona when I was like nine and I loved it. I thought it was really funny. Uh, cause I guess Nicolas Cage is like a wacko. And that like resonated with my nine-year-old self. I, yeah, really, yeah. I have no idea what to say. <laughs> um, I have to say that that my favorite at this point is uh, probably Hail Caesar. Oh um, really? Yeah, just because it's like I I love I love the screwballness of it. Um, close second um, uh, is probably Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, I just haven't yeah, seen I mean, it in a long enough time. I uh, love Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I listened to the soundtrack for Oh Brother yeah. Where Art Thou like. Shout, dad, if you're listening to this podcast, shout out to my dad who bought the soundtrack and we listened to it in his car like all the time because uh, it was so good. I mean, the, the whole genesis of that movie was like around the soundtrack, so who would have expected? I mean, I didn't even mention, fuck, I literally forgot about The Big Lebowski, which is probably their like yeah, biggest, most famous movie, right? It has it to be. It has to point. be, yeah. Yeah. Um, no Country for Old Men, maybe just because it's got, and Far like Fargo too, right? Like Fargo's... Fargo's that thing that, like, I think lives in the cultural conscience a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, but Big Lebowski's definitely bigger. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, 
Have you watched the Fargo uh, series, the, the 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 anthology series on? I guess it's no. Hulu. I don't quite understand the the Fargo anthology series, to be honest. Because is is a, is it like a retelling of the movie? Is it a remake of the movie or? So I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've I have read about it, is it's not. It is a. Uh, it's set. It's set in the same geographical area and in the same continuity, like the, uh, uh, the the briefcase with the money that get that that uh, that uh, Steve Buscemi buries uh, towards the end of the movie is a plot point apparently in the first season. I think it is, or maybe it's wow. Um, but it is uh, just kind of like a, a a. I think it's more about the style. Um, uh, but I do want to go watch because apparently the second season has Ewan McGregor. Uh, and the first thing that's like Billy Bob Thornton, it, it seems very interesting. The Coen brothers are, are, are producers on it, not, uh, I think maybe just executive producers, but they, they are involved. Um, and it's, it's gotten critical acclaim. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. Um, well, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I, but that's kind of like, I guess, I guess that's it. Did you have anything else you wanted to, to, to talk about? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, all right then. Well, if you'd like to, uh, to contact us about what you think about Fargo or, uh, Barton Fink or, uh, the Steam sale or any of the other things that we've talked about on this podcast, you can reach us at podcast at some com or some games at gmail.com. You can, uh, follow us on Twitter, on SoundCloud and on iTunes and everywhere you can find great podcasts. Leave us a rating. Uh, we love reading them. It's a great time. Uh, I think that's about it from me. Uh, if you want to watch this play, you can watch twitch.tv slash games. Uh, buddy, do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.